If you really create and cultivate an experience for the stakeholders, they're going to give you a heck of a lot more time and attention and willingness to participate in these things in the future. You don't end up in a situation where your business continuity coordinator in Myanmar is like, dear God, somebody else like take on this role as quickly as possible. Welcome to the Failover Plan Podcast. I'm Shane Matthew. Now, Christmas time is fast approaching, and with that comes the annual rush to buy toys and games for family and friends. And so with this last episode of the podcast in 2020, we're discussing the concept of gamification and its application within business continuity. Now, if you remember watching Mary Poppins, she sums up the concept of gamification quite nicely. In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. Now, if you haven't heard about this before, gamification is the application of game design elements and game principles in non-game contexts. And she definitely was onto something here. Mary Poppins knew that anything could be turned into a fun activity by making it into a game. And there are other prominent examples of gamification existing even earlier than Mary Poppins. Back in the early 1900s, if you were a Boy Scout, you could attain real badges and ranks, a tradition that is still carried on to today. Now, a consistent theme in my work in BC and what we've heard from various guests this year on the podcast is that engagement with your audience is important, especially in gathering information for planning purposes. So today on the podcast, we're talking with James McDonnell, Director of Crisis Management and Business Continuity at BDO USA. Now, James is a risk management, business continuity, and crisis management professional with more than 18 years of experience helping various clients and federal agencies. But what he's really good at is developing ways to gamify business continuity activities. And you're going to want to hear about how it works and the benefits it has brought to many programs. And you'll even get to hear my experience of gamifying my BIA collection. Before we begin, let me remind you that this is the last episode of the podcast for 2020. But we're not done with ensuring that our listeners have had one last chance to earn some Christmas goodies from the Failover Plan podcast. This week, if you leave a review of the podcast on any podcast site, your name will be entered into a drawing for a $50 gift card to Amazon.com. Simply write a review and send us a screenshot to failoverpodcast at gmail.com and you will be entered. Your entry has to be in by Friday, December 18th to qualify, so get started. And thank you again for becoming a listener. I'm excited we've got to do this for 22 episodes, and we'll hopefully be back in 2021 with more great topics for you to enjoy. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show, James McDonnell. Thanks for uh, joining me today. My pleasure. Happy uh, happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, James and I uh, are, are, are connected because we're, we're both consultants in an amazing industry. We have uh, similar interests. And we also have similar uh, uh, networks. It seems as though there's a couple of people that we share connections with. It's been interesting to to, to get to know people, especially with the podcast. I've, I've learned this world is not as big as, as you would think it is. People are generally connected to one another in, in, in interesting ways. But yeah, uh, six degrees ahead. of separation in business continuity is more like two or three. So, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, you know, James, for the audience, give, give them a little background about yourself. Uh, you, you obviously are in consulting, but I, most people are not born into consulting. So uh, how, how did you get into this world? I was born into consulting. No, I'm just really? kidding. No, no. <laughs> I actually, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I kind of um, took an interesting route to end up in the, into the consulting world. I started off my career 
uh, after college uh, in the military. I was an infantry officer uh, in the army. Uh, but when I left the army, I discovered that jumping out of planes and shooting guns doesn't have a lot of transferable skills in the uh, in the business world. So uh, then I found myself actually working predominantly in federal consulting. Uh, I worked a lot with the Department of Defense and the the Department of Homeland Security, and that's where I kind of cut my teeth in the uh, business continuity and crisis management, emergency management world. Um, I eventually transitioned over to more uh, commercial consulting, and I've been doing that since, uh, geez, over over 12 years or so now. But uh, you know, over a 20-year career, about 12, 13 years of it, just really in the consulting consulting right, realm. Right. So you work with uh, BDO. Is that the? Is, it's got to stand for something. What what does BDO stand for? It is, but the company's actually the company's name is actually BDO. So oh. uh, yeah, BDO LLP, the fifth largest consulting firm in the world right now. Uh, I am a director in the uh, crisis management and business continuity practice. Uh, but really, our perspective is a little bit uh, broader than that. We really focus on all the different components of operational risk management. So we have professionals that uh, help companies with issues around emergency management, you know, traditional business continuity, disaster recovery issues, uh, crisis management, third party risk management. And, you know, what we like to say is we help uh, companies prepare for, respond to and recover from bad things happening. So yeah. it's a, uh, yeah. a, a, a great place to work. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, uh, you, you probably get exposed to a lot of different clients, different types of clients, uh, different industries. So I always like to talk to people in this field because when you kind of sit in these type of roles, you, you, you get exposed to a lot of different corporations and how they approach business continuity, the problems they're facing. You know, what would you say, like, since you're sitting kind of at the high level and looking at multiple clients, you know, that uh, do this type of work, what would you say is kind of the, the the standard issues that a lot of these clients are facing? I mean, like, yeah. besides the fact that you have to do a BIA or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, honestly, I think that my perspective on that has kind of been, been shaped over the course of my career a little bit, right? I, I first started learning uh, you know, business continuity and, and crisis management stuff on the federal side. And there uh, they do, you know, continuity of operations, which is really just mm -hmm. business continuity under another name. And that's like, <laughs> thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, they do have some differences in the methodology, but it's right, like a lot of right. like old school, very traditional approaches yep. where, uh, you know, you're sending out some surveys, you're doing some interviews, you're trying to come up with like, you know, pretty detailed plans and checklists. And, you know, uh, back when I was a young practitioner, I thought I was like, you know, it was awesome, right? Got it. Mm -hmm, We've mm -hmm. ironed out there's everything that is to be designed around the business continuity world um, has already been done, rinse and repeat, just do the same things. Um, but as I progressed through my career, I started to um, really realized that we we kept on running into some reoccurring themes, right? Mm. When you looked at business continuity programs, um, and you know, old school business continuity focuses on compliance, right? It used to be the the big thing, right? We've done this many plans, we've done this many exercises, we've checked the boxes, everybody's happy. It gets assigned to somebody as a punishment that they got to you know <laughs> fill out the BIA, you know, right. um, and. And along with that is like, 
very low amounts of buy-in, right? From senior right. leaderships, they don't really necessarily see what the value is, you know? And as I worked with bigger and bigger companies and, and more compelling brands, I started to really realize that you have to compete for people's attention. And, you know, a big organization, there's hundreds of firm-wide initiatives that are going on at any given point in time. Uh, and if you want people to care about this, you can't just, you know, send them a survey and ask them to fill it out and think that they're going to be standing around the water cooler talking Wait, about you mean like, <laughs> you don't have a survey that gets people to talk about it long after you leave? yeah exactly nobody's like oh my god this survey was a life-altering experience it was so cool <laughs> you've got to do it um you know or you make people sit through boring meetings where they right. walk away being like you could have just sent me a survey why did you waste my time <laughs> um <laughs> you know uh and i think that some of the the other problems that uh, we see is that um, folks don't really get the concepts of business right. continuity sometimes, right? You go out and you talk to a person, they're like, why am I doing this? You know, um, I don't really get how the questions that you're asking me like translates into prioritized business processes across the organization or like, what does this do for me? Um, and the other thing that I actually realized, uh, you know, throughout my career is that by doing some of the old school methodologies, right, like surveys and things like that, a lot of times the information that you're collecting is like not very good. I mm. think that, you know, every practitioner has probably run into at least one circumstance where they collect a whole bunch of BIA data. You put it together in the, you know, coolest looking deck for your senior executives that you think that you've ever done. You're like, this is it, man, I'm getting a bonus on this deck alone. And then <laughs> the bosses look at it and they say yeah yeah okay, i don't agree thanks. with i don't I don't agree with any of this right <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, um yeah, yeah. it's it's you know the old adage of of trash in trash out mm -hmm. and what we started to realize is when you ask these people who don't really care you know that much about what you're doing who um aren't experts in the field right they have a knowledge gap between um, you know, yourself as a business continuity expert and their expertise doing something else um, that, you know, you don't generally get the answers that accurately reflect what you're, you're trying to accomplish. Right. And then even if you do, that's only one person's perspective, right? That's one person within the organization. Uh, the individual contributor's perspective doesn't necessarily match the manager's perspective, which doesn't really necessarily match an executive's perspective. So sometimes you find yourself, well, let's go back to the drawing board and, and, and reframe some of these issues. Um, are these really the parts of the business that you care about? Do you really think this is where your threats and vulnerabilities lie? Um, so as I kind of progressed through my career, I think then, you know, I was hit with this existential um, realization that like, hey, there's, there's, there's got to be. Yeah. a better way of doing yeah, it. I think a lot of people are in that boat. I bet there's a lot right now shaking their heads, listening to this, thinking like, you know, those are similar problems that I face. I know in my career, I've self, you know, coming in with a survey, coming in with a tool and then ending up walking in out with data that, you know, it's somewhat useful it, or, you know, if it, if it was done right, 
you know, and I know there's been many times in my career, especially early on, when I was just like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what the book says. So data I gather was very simple, very, yeah. very rudimentary, but may not have had a lot of value, especially to, to executives. Well, exactly. And I think the problem is a lot of those books were written by business continuity practitioners for business continuity practitioners. And if you walk into these interactions with the people that actually kind of own these risks, these business process owners, there's not really a big focus on how to make the most out of the conversations with them or right. how to show them some like return on investment. Like how do you how do you get them where you want them to be? It's about what you need from them, right? Versus what you can offer them. Right, um, and right. I think as you shift that perspective, that's kind of the key to elevating, right? Your your right. business continuity program. So, so okay. So then then how how have you made this more palatable? Because this is this is a question that we all ask ourselves and I don't know if there's really that many solutions that uh, are available to us to make this, you know, an, an interesting uh, topic for people to join us on. But, you know, there, there is one, I think, that we've kind of talked about, but you're, you're more of an expert than I. So I want you to tell us about that. What, what yeah, would you do yeah. in this place? Well, I mean, so just to recap, right, we, we have bored people who are doing a lousy job of giving us accurate information and don't really care about us, right? So we said, all right, there's got to be a better way to make this interesting and mm -hmm. compelling, close the knowledge gap, get the information that we want. And, you know, ultimately, I think we settled on this concept of, you know, what's generally referred to as gamification, right? Okay. And, and, and that sounds like, you know, you're playing Yahtzee. But, but wait, wait, this, you mean you're not playing Yahtzee? Come on, man. I haven't figured out a, a Yahtzee business continuity game yet. Maybe there's one out there. Um, but, but really what gamification is, is it is a broad spectrum of activities and concepts. But essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to tap into some basic psychological drivers of the people that you're talking to and some typical elements of play to motivate them to be engaged, right? Mm -hmm. So really what we're trying to do is we're trying to change their perception of the tasks that we're acting them, asking them to accomplish. We want to change their attitudes from feeling like this is compliance to something feeling like it's engaging. Um, and we really also want to bring in a little bit of like a hands-on approach to learning. I think, you know, one of the interesting things when you look at, you know, cognitive and behavioral sciences is that for somebody to give you um, a good outcome, you know, they need to remember about 70% of what you're trying to teach them, right? Get them mm -hmm. to about a 70% level before they can begin like a good, valuable analysis process, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it seems like um, that kind of resonates with me simply because I've been in these meetings before and you get like an hour. And, and, and by the time you work into the conversation and get them engaged, you look at the clock, it's already like 45 minutes, <laughs> right? So it's just a, it's a matter It's challenging in, in your own right yeah, to get yeah. them engaged, right? Or you go like all the way through it and then they're like, oh, I probably should have mentioned this earlier in the conversation. Right. And you're like, well, all right, well, let's go back to the drawing board, right? Where they could have, because at that point in the meeting, they kind of get it. And they're yeah. like, oh, this other piece of information is pretty valuable, right? Right, right? So so as we look to like speed up time building people's competencies, because the other big thing too, I feel like is is when we talk about that knowledge gap, 
you know, I think that the the goal, and we we hear this phrase a lot, and and I think the broader risk management terms is to build a risk aware culture, right? Right. We right. want to look at that as a leadership competency, risk analysis, and risk mitigation, and risk management. Um, so inherent is that is the need to teach people, um, and people learn better by doing, right, mm-hmm. than by listening or reading. You know. So what we started to do is experiment. You know, I started to experiment. Uh, several, several years ago with different um, gamification concepts. And we did it at different parts of, you know, the typical um, business continuity planning process, right? So we started off, um, you know, like with the BIA, basically saying, okay, you know, how can we make this a little bit more interesting and compelling? Does it really matter that much um, and I know Mark Armour is probably listening in right now and banging on his desk saying, I told you so. I'm not advocating for getting rid of the BIA. Oh, my God. This is so meta you know, now. This you know, podcast has become meta where Mark yeah. is being referred to on other episodes. <laughs> He's like, I told you to get rid of it. No, yeah, I, right? I'm not advocating for getting rid of it. I'm just saying I think the way that we have done BIAs, right, is probably not the right way. You know. Right. Um, I don't think that there's a good return on investment. So we started saying, hey, are there cooler ways that we could do this, right? Can we make this a game? Um, and I think that, you know, some of the methodologies and things like that that we have out there is like basically playing a version of like battleship around mm-hmm, mm-hmm, critical mm-hmm. resource dependencies, right? Hey, if I'm a bad guy and I want to really mess up your business process, what would I attack, right? right. Now, I'm successful. You want to counter that? what would be your workaround strategy to respond back to it, right? We then yeah. like have immediately prioritized some of the resource dependencies, you know, because you said this is the most valuable thing to attack. And then you've turned around and already kind of come up with a resilient strategy. But, um, you know, even before that, I think one of the big things that we really want to focus on is how do you take the whole process of business continuity planning and you kind of squeeze it down into a consumable little package? Right. Because it's hard for, I think, most non-practitioners to understand what you're trying to accomplish if they don't see the whole picture. If you walk into them and say, hey, we're going to do a BIA, right, Um, then you explain to them what a BIA is. They don't know what you're going to use the BIA for. Right. So and I think that you have experience with this. you know, one of uh, the BDO methodologies, uh, which is a, I think you've run across it, is is the board game masters of disaster. Right. 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 And yeah, just for everybody's context here, you know, I, I used to be back in the day, I used to be a business continuity manager, and I was lucky enough to stumble upon some of the uh, techniques that BDO and, and and companies before it that have implemented these practices and. So yeah, I got a chance to to implement it. it. It's pretty interesting the results you get versus the stuff. Yeah, you don't when you don't use this. But it, what? How does it condense it though? Like well, how, so really, what we're trying to do is we're trying to set the stage, right? Let's okay. let's put them in the role of a business continuity planner. And and okay. this game is actually a board game that is a mix between you know for the audience who's never experienced it, it's a mix between uh, Monopoly, right. shoots and ladders and uh, Trivial Pursuit, right? So (laughs) (laughs) essentially the way that it works is everybody gets some capital that they can invest in resilient strategies. And you ask them to make some choices, right? They could either hang on to that money, they can buy some different resilient strategies that are presented in the game, uh, and then they can basically roll some dice and they'll be presented with some challenges. 
uh, that challenges comes in the form of a question, right? If they get the question right, they might get some more money. It's up to them what they do with that money, right? right? Um, but if they get the question wrong or they get you know a bad card, then they end up with a business interruption. Right. But whether or not they have invested in the appropriate Brazilian strategies, right, determines whether or not they lose money coming out of that business interruption or whether or not they're appropriately protected. So, that, so who do you see as, as being more, who gains more value from this type of activity? It seems like it's a little bit more strategic in nature. Yeah, I think that it is. I mean, we're trying to elevate it, right? We're trying to be a little bit strategic yeah. because we want them to understand that whole process, right? You're making capital investment decisions. You might make them in the right places. You might make them in the wrong places. You want to make them in, a, in, a, in as informed a manner as possible, but there's right. a big element of risk and uncertainty, right? So um, we basically are trying to whittle that down into like a 15 or 20 minute game and, and walk the planners through that. And I think that by doing that, they kind of get the concept of what we're trying to do um, from a macro level. So that sets the stage for every subsequent discussion that you're going to have because they can right. see the whole picture in front of them. So how engaged do people, I mean, how, how receptive are people in your experience to this sort of concept? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm, I bet they're expecting to come in to whether they may have saw something like this, you know, in the previous year when they were doing a BIA and now they're coming in and seeing a, a board game. Yeah. So, so typically speaking, and there's been some studies on this, right? Usually if you successfully implement some gamification concepts, uh, voluntary compliance, right? So if you think about it in terms of the stick and the carrot, you know, the yeah. voluntary compliance usually ticks up to about 80%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I mean, like, who would want to, who wouldn't want to come to a, a, a meeting and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to play a game just like last year. I remember that specific statement was made when I implemented something like this at a company I was working at. They literally said, hey, when are we going to play another uh, round? Of <laughs> we had a version of that battleship game you're talking about. Yeah, well, I've done I've done these things where um, people have asked if they could like get a copy of the like, can we buy this like the Masters of Disaster <laughs> board game? Right. Um, and, and we've had clients who have seen such value in it. Yeah. that they basically ask for a customized version. So instead uh -huh. of like generic questions, they want questions that are, you know, branded and customized for their program that talk yeah. about the challenges that the companies had because then it makes it all a lot more personal too. Right, 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 right. right. Um, and, 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 you know, that's one way that we gamification plays out, right? And that's what people traditionally think about is like, you know, the games and getting people up out of their seats and doing activity-based data collection instead of interviews and surveys and things like that. But the other big piece of gamification, and you know, I think back to uh, you know your first uh, podcast with with uh, Scott, and he was talking about like he's got that big certification that he would slap on people's yeah, you know yeah, yeah, cubes. Yeah, yeah. Well, another big component of games is like points, badges, yeah. leaderboards, right? Winners and losers. You know, um, we want to also build you know for established programs that sense of competitiveness right you want to get that gold star on your chest that says you're an expert you want to build certification practices to you know that people can take to their bosses and say hey look at how awesome i am i did this thing and now my name is on a piece of paper right. um so uh, there's you know different ways to look at this gamification realm but really, ultimately, it all boils back down to that thing of we're trying to get people up out of their seats, 
We want them engaged. We want them excited. We want them talking about us, right? right? We want them to get a better understanding of the challenge that we're trying to address. And we want to build a sense of competition because, you know, people remember that. Um, yeah. Again, to go yeah. back to that water cooler thing, if you really create and cultivate an experience for the stakeholders, they're going to give you a heck of a lot more time and attention and willingness to participate in these things in the future. You don't end up in a situation where your business continuity coordinator in Myanmar is like, dear God, somebody else like take on this role as quickly <laughs> as possible. So you you're know? basically creating the atmosphere where the business continuity program is like the Seinfeld uh, <laughs> of, of programs. Whereas, you know, typically we're the national geographic program. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, I, I dare say that some people, drastically uninformed people, might say that risk mitigation practices are not sexy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I think that you know they can be, and right. if you want to cut through all those competing demands and have people committed to what you're trying to accomplish, you got to teach them why it's important, yeah. right? You yeah. have to help them understand what you're trying to do. You have to build a reputation, you know, and you have to give them something in return. You got to make it interesting. You got to make it compelling. Um, So so let's take a step back to the data collection aspect of this, right? So you you, you briefly touched on a BIA or, you know, BCPs. Those are traditionally where we spend a lot of time gathering data points, you know, but, you know, when you're talking about gamification, are, are you talking about games, literally games for every aspect of this, or is it, is it activity? When you say, give us a little bit more you know, taste of what that looks like. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm going to give you the most accurate yet unsatisfying answer that a consultant ever gives. Uh, <laughs> it, it depends, right? Right, um, right, right. You gotta you gotta pick your battles, right? You yeah. know, you can't have every every engagement. You know what I mean? Be some uh, yeah. super fancy thing where everybody's you know sipping champagne and eating fancy cheese while they play you know the games and things like that. Right, right, but right. You can right. absolutely use it for data collection, right? Um, I think that one of the um, interesting things about the data collection piece, if you structure the games correctly, right, and you look at collaboration, right, because games are played yeah. with other people, you look at the collaboration aspect and you bring the right people to the table the data that you collect is more accurate, right? It's instantly validated with some of the other stakeholders because remember that problem that I was talking about? Like you collect it, you put it together and then some boss goes, nope, this is not accurate at all, right? So you're like real time bringing different competencies into a discussion around, is this how we all see it? Let's validate it. And then you can, you have a lot greater confidence in in the data you're collecting. So, you know, what have been some of the outcomes or benefits that, uh, you know, you've seen? Have, have you had any, have you have a, have you had any return to the scene of the crime of a, of a gamification event and seen what's, what's been the result of it? Yeah, a- absolutely. Right. I think that um, in terms of learning, you absolutely drastically increase your participants' memory and participation and, and learning around the event, right? Because that's really ultimately a... Um, one of those intangible benefits, you know, but provides real value to an organization. It's a lot better indicator. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you, how do you parse out somebody understanding more about business continuity concepts and the the value that that brings from like saying, okay, well, I did 88 out of 90 plans this year. And last year I did 87 out of 80, you know, 90 plans. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm doing better. Like, so there's definitely the, the learning piece of it. I think that the other part of it 
is um, it saves you a lot of time and effort, right? When people care and show up, you don't have people canceling your meeting at the last minute, right? You don't have high turnover of staff that are uh, supporting you from the business process, folks, right? Nobody's trying to hand off this responsibility as quickly as possible. So that provides direct benefit to the people who run the business continuity program. Um, I think that the other thing is, um, you know, flocking and, and hurting behavior that happens when you bring people together and give them these challenges that increases like their social cohesion, their ability to work together. Um, like it helps them understand differing perspectives. So that's like an immediate benefit. Yeah. Right, you know, right, right, right. Um, like you want the team to have, it's the same reason we do exercises, right? TTXs, you want to bring everybody together. You want them to work together in a collaborative manner. You want uh, differing viewpoints to be aired in a room where you can explore, you know, unknown eventualities, right? You can bring all of these elements into, into more than just an exercise at the end of um, your continuity planning so that everybody builds a lot uh, greater sense of camaraderie, right? That's that's always an immediate benefit that we see. And I think that the data ultimately ends up being richer, more meaningful, and more actionable right. um, when you employ these methodologies. Because again- to, Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 please. I was gonna say like, that, that statement alone, I think is so accurate. Like you find these little nuggets of information that you wouldn't have Otherwise, I think if you all, you know, when you bring a group together, right, and you tackle a, a problem versus having everybody separately do their input around the same problem, I think the results are just more richer, like you said, right? So example one, one example I dealt with was, you know, we, I was working at this uh, distribution kind of, uh, you know, facility, right? And they they have a conveyor belt and they're all working on getting their product out the door and they're talking about their recovery times and how sensitive they are and, and, and this facilities manager, you know, starts to talk about some of the risk points. And one of the things that she raised was, I've got this compressor that runs this whole conveyor belt system. If that thing goes down, you know, I don't have a backup and I, my nearest backup is going to be two, two hours or three hours away or whatever it was. It was blasted the RTO out to, out to nowhere. Right. Yeah. So that one little conversation resulted in the operations leaders like, dude, let's just go buy a compressor. You know, let's have some extras. You know, and that conversation took literally 10 minutes, but it probably wouldn't have happened unless that collaborative type of discussion that was started through a yep. game. Yep. So I, I was, happen. yeah, exactly. I was doing a planning session like a week ago with a couple of clients and they uh, have a massive tool set, right? That they use and a lot of the tools are custom and they're, you know what I mean? They can be really super long lead times and this and that. And everybody was hemming and hawing like, oh, what do we want to? actually buy duplicate sets of all of these things mm, as part mm, of our continuity. Mm, because if we lose the facility and blah, blah, blah. And like one guy in the back of the room goes, why don't we just buy a 3D printer? Like <laughs> we can buy, we can buy a 3D printer, you know, that would replicate, we could build any of these tools, right? Within wow. a number of hours. And everybody's like, that's a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea. Why don't we have what? Oh, wait a second printing these tools is cheaper than buying them and my return on investment. You know what I mean? Like, right. It, it, and, and without having had that voice in the room, that guy might not have, you know, brought up that specific point, you know, cause he didn't hear right. somebody else's concerns because he knew it's really not that big of a deal, you know? Right. Um, so that's just a small example of um, how we can parlay the interactive and collaborative nature into 
real return on investment from these activities. And then, you know, the other piece of it is when you um, say you're in a situation where your program is structured. So like you go out and talk to a factory once a year, right? Or a business process owner once a year. If you walk away from them and just hand them a piece of paper, what kind of a feeling do you think that gives them? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? I get, that. I get that. Versus if you take them through this experience and they've explored these things and they have some actionable items that you can do and you've talked about the strengths and the weaknesses of their respective plans um, and they know, you know, you've developed a relationship, right? At that point, they know they can phone a friend. They know that um, their plans are actionable, that they're reasonable, that they're flexible, that you've thought through a lot of the nuance uh, in a in a uh environment and that they're not alone, right? They brought right. a whole team to bear. Their bosses have heard their perspective. Their employees have heard their inspective. The employees have had an opportunity to voice some of their concerns, right? right. It, those those benefits um, are how you don't find yourself in that weird cyclical trap that sometimes business continuity and, and risk management programs um, fall into. And by that, I mean that trap of something bad happened. We never want it to happen ever again. Let's invest a lot in business continuity planning, right? right. And then it, it works and nothing happens for two years right. or three years or four years. And yeah, then like the it. budget gets cut. The budget gets cut a little bit more. Nobody sees the value of this thing. Oh, wait a second. Now something terrible happened. How did we ever find ourselves in this situation in the first place, right? right. And the cycle repeats itself. Um, because if you want these programs to be effective, they need to be effective all the time. Right. You know? um, so let's think through the lens of uh, you know, a, a traditional practitioner who may be hearing about this for the first time. Maybe they've heard about it in the past, but they really haven't implemented it. You know, obviously, when you get into strategy around building this, that's a, I think that's a hurdle people may have. Like, you know, I've already done it this way for a long time. But if they wanted to start, what what would be something that you would say? Hey, you know, this is where you kind of have to get to, to to get the ball rolling in this concept of gamification. You know, what would you suggest as kind of the, the entry point most yeah. may consider? Yeah. Well, I mean, some of these things cost you nothing, right? right? You can you can print out a certificate. Like, I mean, how much is it going to cost you to go to Staples and buy a stack of certificates? Right. right? right, right. Um, but it, that's an easy entry point, right? Putting together leaderboards, you know calling people out and recognizing their contributions, those are pretty easy ways to, to do it. But I think that if you want to do this well, you got to take a hard look at yourself and your program, right? And saying, hey, are we really providing value? Where would we like to be? How can I have an impact on the organization? Um, because I think that ultimately, if we take a hard look at ourselves as a, a group of practitioners, um, a lot of the things that we think are super valuable, right? ISO 22301, you know, certifications, that's a lot of administrative stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're, yeah. you're spending a lot of time, money, and effort in administration and tracking. Um, those activities don't really necessarily result in a good ROI when it comes to resilience of the organization. So, you know, I think it's a change in mindset and perspective. Um, of you know where you invest your time where you're going to get the greatest benefit for the organization right i agree with that i agree with that no so look the the, the world has changed considerably in the last uh few months <laughs> uh, not to mention 
the elections and all the things that have happened. But you know, from the business perspective, we've moved well into this this uh, work from home component. In fact, you and I are talking from our homes, right? So, you know, how has that impacted the ability to involve others in these kind of collaborative or gamified type of activities? I think people in business continuity in general probably kind of paused on a lot of things. But, you know, if we're still in this vein of work, you know, how, how has that, how is that going to impact the ability to do this sort of stuff? Yeah, well, I think that uh, we're hearing a lot of our clients talk about like increased reliance on technology, right? Um, you know, a lot of folks out there in buying business continuity uh, management software. And I think that that's a little bit dangerous because you can fall into the trap of designing your program around the software mm. instead of having the software support your program, right? So, so that's one thing that I just kind of want to get out of the way in terms of the, the elephant in the room. Um, I will say that some of the uh, business continuity management softwares that are out there, you can actually implement a lot of these um, features into the technology, right? So I think that that's a good way. I think that um, also, you know, companies are doing this in in every regard, but you need to take a look at the the collaboration systems that you have that are available to you and ask yourself some hard questions as to, you know, does that ultimately realistically meet your needs? And I know that sometimes from a, business continuity practitioners, uh, you know, perspective, that's a, that's a hard uphill battle to fight to say, Hey, you guys have invested in teams, but it's not working for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good luck with that one. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that um, it's a great opportunity to bring forth some creativity, right? You know, we're using things like, you know, smart sheets, we're using uh, collaborative, um, you know, online meeting systems where we can do breakout sessions in real time polling, because again, you have to take it from a perspective of like, well, what are the outcomes that you want? You don't want people to be able to hide in the back of the room, right? You want to bring people together and have some conversations and discussions around it. You want to be able to track compliance and make people feel good about doing the things that, you know, the behaviors that you want them to, to exhibit. So it's really just taking the core concepts and just transitioning it into a different format. So, you know, I think that, um, if nothing else, when you think about the future of work and if we end up with a predominantly telework or mixed model where you have 50% of the people working from home and 50% in the office, right? The teamwork and the collaboration becomes actually more important, right? right? Building those relationships, moving forward. Um, so I feel like if anything else, it, it heightens um, the need to embrace some of these concepts. Yeah. Well, James, how do people learn more about uh, gamification? I know if you you, you uh, obviously do this with your clients, but if people wanted to learn more, how can they get a hold of you? How can they? How yeah, can they- uh, LinkedIn is always uh, a, a easy way. I think that you and I've had some conversations on there, yeah. so uh, I'm one of uh, your uh, your connections on there. Feel free, reach out. I I actually check it, um, so I will respond. <laughs> uh, I will also make a plug. Um, BDO has a crisis resource center, uh, where essentially we put all of our materials, uh, and there are, is the ability to submit an inquiry through that. And that has a ton of just free resources, um, dealing with COVID-19, dealing with a wide array of issues and factors, uh, that might be relevant to your business and your program. So I recommend that you check that out. Uh, and, uh, you could always just feel free to, you know, email me directly. I'll give you my contact information. You could, Excellent. you could slap it on the, the homepage, 
and uh you know try not to put them on any spam sites or anything like that yes please yes please thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm I'm opening myself up to like every technology vendor uh now sending me an email but uh people people are going to be contacting me if i need a extended warranty would you like to buy a copy of uh, ladders (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly the people from mattel are going to be giving me a call about uh, yeah yeah Well, James, thank you so much for sharing this information. I think it's very important for, you know, engagement is kind of like my key term when it comes to business continuity. I think it's valuable and it can be built in so many different ways. I think gamification is a major way that companies can really build their programs in in engagement. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shane, you know, on that note, to just to flip it around for a second, I mean, now you've obviously employed some of these things, right? what's What's your perspective on it? Wow, this has never happened before. Somebody asking me a you question. Have some, you have some expertise in this area, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, uh, well, I appreciate the question. So I, I think, um, you know, I, I was drawn to a consultancy, uh, Lou Talk, uh, you know, which is is uh, now a partner uh, with BDO, right? So this is how we've been connected over the years. But that was what drew me initially because when I was starting a program, I got there with this blank slate and I'd, I'd started programs before. And so at the time when I was working for this major company, uh, I was a blank slate. I could do whatever I wanted. I had a modest budget. And so I was like, hey, you know, what can I, I need to buy this. I need to buy that. And then I started to think about like, well, what had some of the stuff that I had failed on before, hence the name of the failover plan podcast, <laughs> <laughs> what I had failed before. And one of the things I majorly failed on in the past life in business continuity was being able to contain continuously uh, have people interested. And I really hated showing up and seeing people kind of shake their heads like, Oh my God, here it is again. Another, another form we got to fill out, you know? So I really, I was searching and I found, uh, you know, a team that was, was exploring this concept and ultimately, was able to bring some games into a couple of sessions. And my goodness, it was amazing the difference between what I had done before and in previous work and the results after. I mean, I mentioned a couple examples, but geez, it's like people would come after me later. And literally, I'm not kidding when they said like, hey, when are we going to do another BIA? I was like, what are you saying to me? I don't understand. This has never happened before. But they literally were like, when are we going to do our BIA? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great when you do it and you see people out of their seats and engaged and you can just stand back, right. They're digging into the problem. Um, that that I feel like is like the ultimate goal, um, that you're not, you know, leading them by the nose and trying to pull every piece of information out of them or get them to, you know, add some additional context when they really start collaborating without you injecting yourself, you know, that you're really starting to make some traction and they're starting to care about it. One thing you, you pointed out about the, uh, streaming line, streaming line, again, kind of condensing things a little bit. I think it's really important to understand. So for example, I did this one exercise, uh, where, we were doing the BIA data. I had like 10 departments in the room with me and I literally just posed the questions and we had like a little bit of a, a physical activity where you, you know, you'd, you'd write down your, your information about your critical functions and then you'd slap it on the wall and then you attach your dependencies to it. it it's really hard. It, it's kind of hard to explain via audio, but the point is like, I was literally just stepping back and these groups were working all together all around the room, just really exploring this information, gathering it, 
and they, you know, gave their kind of readout at the end of it. And it was amazing to me. Like, I was like, you know, I got all this accomplished in one session where I have to go around 10 different rooms in the past and yeah. kind of pull teeth. And yeah. they were just like jumping in on it, you know, and well, that, that sold it right there for me. At, well, that's, that that, that's a great point, right? Like the old school way of doing, you know, we're going to do 500 BIAs and then we're going to rank right. all the processes and we're going to go back out to them. It's like, well, then you're showing your executives a return on investment, what, like a year and a half. Right. Like instead you got to flip that and say, let's do like these series of sprints, get more out of these small, short engagements. So you're providing the maximum return on your investment for the time that you're asking for everybody. And you're, you're, you're helping to um, really implement those resilient strategies as quickly as possible. Right. Because, because that is, I think really a key to the, the health and sustainability, right? If you're like, if you own a, or work in a business continuity program inside an organization and you're kind of struggling to show some value, like <laughs> no CEO really cares if you can say that you did, you know, 180 right. BIAs, like, well, I understand the organization better after a year and a half worth of effort, right? Like that's not a, that's not a good story to yeah, tell. Be like, congratulations. Now, you what, know, it is, what, what does that do for me? Yeah. You know, it is a good story to tell. Like one of the VPs coming back and saying, Hey, I did like a three day session. I learned things about our business, you know, processes right. that I never even knew. Like I got some good actionable strategies. It was a cool, innovative session that like, that's, that's how you gain some traction. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. Like, you know, creating an army of advocates, you know, it, yep. you're going to, your, your program is going to do far better if you have a whole bunch of other people telling others, Hey, this is a good program. It's worthwhile than just you standing there. Yeah. With a chart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, Shane, I, I remember I walked into an organization. This was a big, uh, what I think that you would, you know, most people would typically call like a cool brand, right? Like mm-hmm. a, uh, fortune 50 organization. They were, you know, on it. And we went into one of these planning sessions and some, you know, a woman that was participating, uh, you know, she basically goes, well, we already, we already have a business continuity plan. We're like, we're all good. I'm like, Oh, can I see it? And she gave it to me. And this is maybe like three or four years ago. Uh, it was in preparation of Y2K. <laughs> Wait, don't you have to be prepared for that anymore? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that that's probably, that's probably not a, a hallmark of uh, an engaged stakeholder group, <laughs> you know, a, uh, a 17 year uh, refresh factor. Uh, right. Every 17 years. Her, her confidence in it though, I was impressed with, right? Like, oh yeah, nothing, <laughs> yeah, has, nothing's no changed in 17 years. Like, I mean, like I think cell phones, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, you guys have phone numbers now, right? Like, <laughs> Maybe you want to, maybe you want to address Slight that. Change. Like, were you using email then? Um, like your, I don't think your email is at, at Hotmail anymore. Um, <laughs> Juno account. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to put a new AOL disk. That's not part of your key file. So. Um, <laughs> ah, you're funny. Yep. You're funny. Yep. Well, James, thank you for joining us. It was really cool to talk about this topic and I I appreciate it. I hope we'll come back and we can talk more about this in the future. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really appreciate the time. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Failover Plan Podcast. You can find out more about James McDonnell by visiting our website, failoverpodcast.com. There you'll find several links that will give you more information about James and the BDO team. Now this week, don't forget to complete a review of the podcast and to submit it to us at failoverpodcast at gmail.com so you can be entered into the drawing for a $50 gift card to Amazon. Merry Christmas to you all and Happy New Year's. And thanks again for listening. And remember, why learn how to do something on your own 
when there's got to be someone else who have already learned this the hard way. <laughs>